welcome to Father's Day. Uh, maybe you, if you've been around church for a little while, maybe you know the tradition that on Mother's Day, we say all kinds of sweet, wonderful, lovely things about moms. We give them flowers, talk about how great they are because they are. And then on Father's Day, we bring the hammer down on dads, don't we? They get a challenging Sunday and, uh, well, we're going to continue that tradition this morning. So... <laughs> Good luck, dads. Uh, if you're looking to sneak out during the prayer when everybody's eyes are closed, it's probably the best time if you want to hide in the bathroom or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. It's going to be great. Dads, we're in this thing together. None of us uh, measure up to the level of our heavenly father, and yet we're going to hear the call that God has on us this morning. So if you've got a Bible, would you open that with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We've been making our way in this series called What's to Come through the book of 2 Thessalonians. So let's continue that. Chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 13. I'll read it, then we'll pray, then we'll dig in. Here we go, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, Heavenly Father, it is our joy and our privilege to get to call you Father. You are made our Father through Jesus Christ, your Son, who you gave on the cross to die for our sins, and you could adopt us into your family. Lord, we come to you this morning, and many of us dads, all of us dads are imperfect. All of us have fallen short. Some of us in the room have different and various relationships with our dads, some good, some bad, some a mix. Some of us have maybe lost a father. Some of us have maybe lost a child. God, I pray that you'd be with all of us this morning and that you would fill us with joy that you are our heavenly father and you are perfect. And if our faith is in Jesus, we will spend eternity with you. God, I pray that you'd open up our hearts to receive your word this morning. Help us be challenged and encouraged. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit as a broken instrument to bring your word to your people. And may you be glorified this morning and hearts transformed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, one of my uh, uh, big memories from my teenage years of, of me and my dad, a way that we spent a lot of time together in those years, was out on the big lake, Lake Michigan, uh, doing some fishing. Uh, we would go out there in our little 18-foot speedboat, which is pretty small for the big lake. Uh, it was designed for skiing, not for fishing, but we would take it out there on the big lake, and uh, we'd uh, hook up some, some downriggers and the, the drag socks and try to get that thing set up so it could fish. And uh, we'd always watch the radar to make sure it said, waves expected zero to one foot. Because if it was higher than that, we probably weren't going to make it. It wasn't going to go so well. So we get out there, and uh, at 14, 15 years old, my main job was to stay awake and hold that steering wheel and uh, try to keep us relatively going straight so the lines didn't get tangled and stuff like that. My dad would be in the back uh, adjusting tackle and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember one particular day uh, being out on the lake, and I'm kind of driving along, and I remember seeing out in the distance an enormous ship. Uh, on Lake Michigan, I, don't, I didn't expect to see that. You know, that's the kind of thing you expect to see on the ocean. 
And here's this giant freighter. And I remember seeing it out there and seeing especially the wake coming off the back of it, this enormous wake. And I remember thinking, holy smokes, that thing is huge. That's wild. That's crazy. Glad it's like way over there. And uh, just kind of going along, holding that steering wheel. And I remember just kind of looking out in front a few minutes later and just thinking, boy, what, what is that in the water? The water looks kind of funny out there. Like, what is going on? I, a few minutes go by and I, I say, Dad, there's some big waves coming. And he's like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And uh, no, 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 Dad, there's big waves coming. I remember him turning and looking and the eyes big and, and both of us realizing that even though this enormous ship had gone by a couple minutes ago, the wake was just reaching us. And it was enormous. So coming up on, the, on these waves and I'm thinking, all right, what do I do? do I, is he going to tell me to turn and, and hit the gas and try to run the other way? Are we going to try to turn sideways? And, you know, the boat's kind of kind of semi-circle shaped about maybe we'd like rock our way through this thing. And now he says, point that thing forward, going into the waves. And we're thinking, this guy is nuts. <laughs> and so I do, I, you know, listen to dad, uh, point that thing forward. And I remember going up that first wave and all I see is sky. I'm thinking, that's not good. And then I remember coming over the wave and looking down and thinking, all I see is water. That's not good. I remember going up and down and through this thing and waves, you know, going right through waves and having them come up over the front and we're taking on water and uh, praise God we make it through the other side. But uh, that was one of my early moments of learning what it was like to stand firm in the face of big waves, which is a good life lesson. And it's actually something that God calls us to in this passage in particular. So then, brothers... Stand firm. This is the verse that's at the very center, the main thrust of our passage this morning in verse 15. What we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul this morning is that you and I are called to stand firm in the face of waves that come our way from the world. And what we're going to talk about is how we can stand firm. I think there's a great message for, uh, for all of our students to get to hear this morning as they make profession of faith and receive baptism. I think it's a great message for all of us to hear as fathers and all of us, uh, everybody else, uh, all of us in the room this morning, get to hear God's call for us to stand firm in the face of whatever comes our way. So last week, if you remember, we heard uh, a word. We heard a word about uh, what's to come is rebellion, pain, trouble, opposition from the world. This week, we hear God's call to stand firm in the face of that. And we're also going to hear what that call is rooted in. That that call is rooted in the glory that is coming. God promises something on the other side of those waves, and that's glory. And so if you want to write down a main idea in your notes for this morning, it's this. Glory is coming, so stand firm. Glory is coming. So stand firm. So let's walk through three ways that we see in the text that the Apostle Paul calls us to stand firm. Here we go. Number one. Number one, the Apostle Paul calls us to stand firm in the gospel. We see that right away in the first couple of verses of our passage. Verse 13. The first thing that we notice in this verse as contrast to last week is that last week there's a lot of negative things to say, right? In verses 10 to 12 about people who have rejected Jesus. The Bible says that those people are perishing, that they refuse to love the truth, that they are condemned, that they take pleasure in unrighteousness. That was all in verses 10 to 12. And then in verse 13, we have words about those who have received Christ. We hear some powerful, amazing language. Listen to these. Let's, let's uh, track through uh, verse 13 here together. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, dearly loved children of the God of the universe, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you. There's a ton of time we could spend talking about what it means that God chose his people before the foundation of the universe, but the key punchline is that God 
chose us. He didn't have to, but he did. He chose you and I to be his adopted sons and daughters. He chose us as the first fruits to be saved. The first fruits in the first century, we're talking about some of the first people to become believers in Jesus. They're the very beginning of the harvest. They put their faith in Jesus and they receive salvation. That's that next word, first fruits to be saved. They are no longer in sin and death. They put their faith in Jesus. And so their sins are taken away. They've risen with Jesus in the resurrection. They've received new life and they will again in the future. This happens, after this happens, sanctification, the process of becoming holy. That's what sanctification means. After we become saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and works in our lives to make us grow more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and we become believers in the truth. That's a lot of good news, amen? Praise God for all these things that we are in Christ. This is what Paul wants to remind us of this morning, is who we are in Christ. What he's saying in this verse is that he's thankful for the contrast between the world and the saints. And he's also building the groundwork, the foundation for the command that he has for us to stand firm. What the Bible tells us is that you and I, if we're going to stand firm, we have to have a certain mindset, right? If you're going to take a boat and you're going to run it straight into the waves, you got to have a mindset about you. You either got to be crazy or you got to believe something, right? You got to have some kind of sense of security and assurance. Likewise, if you're going to stand in the face of the opposition that this world brings against us, you've got to have a certain mindset, a certain security and assurance. Let's take a look at the next verse, verse 14. This takes us a little further. I think it gives us the sum total word of everything we've been talking about this morning. And that comes in the word gospel. To this he called you through our gospel. How do you become all those things that we just listed in Christ? Through believing the gospel. That's how you receive those things. And the result of that is that you obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds like strange language, doesn't it? Where have you maybe heard that before? You ever been to a funeral and heard somebody say before that uh, a Christian funeral, that so-and-so has now entered glory? Maybe you've heard those words before. What we're saying is that person has entered into the glory of God. They're standing in the very presence of Jesus, his glorious presence. They have entered glory. The same way Paul says at the end of all these things, at the end of the, the struggle and the striving and making your way through the waves, you obtain glory. Not your own glory, but you stand in the very presence of Jesus. Paul knows that you and I need a hope on the other side in order to make it through the waves, right? I remember uh, some years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I remember uh, having a, a hospital stay of like seven days or so. And I remember I couldn't eat or drink anything. They wouldn't let me. And I had tubes in my nose and all that kind of thing. And you can imagine that you get a lot of thirst at that point, right? Your mouth gets really dry. And if you've ever been in the hospital for a long time, what's the only thing you do? You watch cable TV, right? That's the, that's the only thing you can do in the hospital. So you lay there, you got tubes in your nose, and you're, I'm watching cable TV. And it seemed like every other commercial was Taco Bell, Mountain Dew, Baja Blast, Blue Slushy. I don't know if you guys remember those. They were, they, were, they were awesome. I found out after I got out. But the Taco Bell, Mountain Dew, Baja Blast, Blue Slushy. And I remember laying there for seven days thinking, I want a Taco Bell, Mountain Dew, Baja Blast, Blue Slushy. And on the other side of this thing, I'm going to get me one of those slushies. And it got me through. All right, and as soon as I got out, we stopped through the drive-thru at Taco Bell on the way out. I got my blue slushy. Made it all okay-ish. Ish. 
The Apostle Paul gives us a mindset. He tells us to stand firm in the gospel. That's how we're going to get through the storms and the waves and the pains of this life. So here's the question for all of us, especially moms and dads, and especially on Father's Day for dads. Here's the question. Is your family standing firm in the gospel? When the world tries to knock your family down, what are you going to do? What's going to go through the minds of mom, of dad, of kids? What is your security? What is your assurance? Dads, the world is coming against your kids. I don't know if you know that, but the world is coming against your kids. They're not for the good of your kids, but Jesus is. So what are you going to do to instill that in them? Have you ever had one of your kids come to you with the question, Dad, you think I'm weird? People at school think I'm weird. Dad, why does nobody like me? Dad, why don't I look like the women in the magazines? What do you say? How do you respond? Do you simply say, well, those people are mean and just ignore them and and that kind of stuff? Or do you have a deeper truth that you can put into your kids? Are you able to say to them, no, 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 sweetheart. It's not true that nobody likes you. It's not true that you're weird. It's not true that you're not as beautiful. You are made in the image of God. You were saved by Jesus Christ. You have value. You are beautiful and you are loved. That's the kind of gospel truth that will get your kids through what's to come. They can't, flaky stuff isn't going to get them through. They need gospel truth, firm foundation that will carry them through. You and I, dads, we can't keep our daughters in the house until they're 46. I would really like to. I've told my daughters that they're going to wear bonnets when they go out just to try to help keep the boys away, that that kind of thing. I've got a couple of shotguns, but can't keep them until they're 46, right? We have to equip them to go out. That means we have to fill them with the gospel so that they can go out and they can know in their hearts when somebody says something mean, when somebody tempts them with something, when somebody does something to them, I am made in the image of God. I've been saved by Jesus. I have value and worth and beauty. All glory to God for the gospel. Point number two, we stand firm on tradition. That's what the text tells us. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Tradition. What? What's tradition? I found this definition online this week and I just couldn't help it. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? <laughs> I just had to get that in there. I just, I just love that. That's great. Tradition is like that thing, right? It's like, it's like cranberries at Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, you have to have it out, but ain't nobody going to eat it. Right? This is what it's like at my Thanksgivings, right? And it's on that glassware that's been there for 50 years. You know, the rest of the plates might be newish, but the, the glassware is pretty old because, you know, we got the cranberries and it comes out every year, but nobody eats it. Why do we do it? Mom and dad did it. Grandma and grandpa did it. Great grandma and grandma did it. So darn it, we're going to have the, grandba- the cranberries at Thanksgiving, even if nobody's going to eat them. Right? That's what I think of when I think of tradition. It's we've always done it that way, so we're going to do it that way. It's all change is bad. Let's just do things the old-fashioned way. It worked for grandma and grandpa, so we're going to do it. It's going to work for us. Is that what the Apostle Paul means when he says stick to tradition? No, not quite. No, the traditions that the Apostle Paul is talking about is the teachings of the apostles. Listen to it in verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions 
that were taught by us, Paul and the other apostles, either by our spoken word or by our letter. You know what those letters are also called? The New Testament, right? Uh, they didn't have them leather bound and, and printed and published like, like we do. Uh, it's this, it's this right here. This is the traditions that they're talking about, the teachings of the apostles, the word of God, this stuff, paper and leather bound is the traditions that they're talking about standing firm on. It's not of human origin, it's of divine origin. I listen to what the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 about the, the word that he passes on. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That's the tradition that he's talking about passing down. You and I, Christians, our call is not to be conservative or liberal, old school or new school. Our call is to be Bible people. That's what we're for. That's what we're all about is the Bible, God's word. I want to be a biblical person. That's the adjective I want to attach to my name. It's the foundation God's give us. And it's a, it's a, I think it's almost as simple as the Sunday school teachers told us. You build your house upon the rock or you build your house upon the sand. There's man's word and there's God's word. And you can see in the little cartoon that you might remember from Sunday school, right? The guy down here building his life on man's word is trying to hold it together and the thing is falling away into the sea. We build, our, we build our foundation, we build our lives on God's word, the rock and not the sand. Deuteronomy 6 adds to that and says, this rock, this tradition, you must pass it on to your kids. Listen to what... Uh, Moses says, this is, this is, uh, the book of Deuteronomy is like Moses' last sermons before he dies. Here's what he says. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You catch that, by the way? Sitting, standing, lying, rising. That's just like all the time. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses' last words, his last sermons before the end of his life is, make sure that you pass God's word down to your kids. To all of us, but especially on this Father's Day to dads, and I'm right here with you dads, Dads, the question for us is this. What traditions are you passing down? What traditions are you passing down? Is it just the cranberries? Is it just the go blue or go green? Go blue is the right answer, by the way. Is it, uh, or is it something more? What's your family going to stand on? Dads, what are you giving to your kids that they're going to hold on to that's going to help them stand fast in the face of the waves and the storms of life? Uh, this, uh, I, I, uh, I won't share the name because I didn't uh, get a chance to talk to him this week, but a member of our church, uh, another, another brother and I were talking a little bit about our, um, the ways that we get our kids to stay in bed at night. Uh, I've got four and he's got uh, many more than that, but he's got four boys that all sleep in the same room. And uh, he was telling me about his routine at night to keep his kids in the bedroom when they're supposed to be sleeping. And uh, he props himself in the hallway, uh, feet against the door to hold the door shut. And uh, he said that's his evening prayer time. Uh, for, for 30 minutes or so, he sits there in the hallway and he holds the door shut and tells his boys, go to sleep, go to sleep. And he, and he sits there and he prays for them. I'll tell you what, I bet you those four boys will remember that. That dad's prayer time was sitting there holding us in our bedroom, telling us to go to sleep, and at the same time praying for us. I'll tell you what, there's two, 
two main uh, two main staples that I remember uh, about my dad. When I was a, when I was went from elementary school to middle school, and the bus started coming at 6 a.m. and I had to get up early. It's the first time I got up early enough to to see my dad before I got on the bus and went to school. I remember two things that I saw every single morning around 5 5:30 a.m. Life cereal and the Bible. Every time I'd walk past my dad, kitchen table in the morning, bowl of life cereal and the Bible every single morning. And I will never forget that. What traditions, dads, are we passing down to our kids? Are we passing on the word? Are we passing on good habits of prayer and scripture? The Apostle Paul calls us to stand firm on just such traditions. Number three. The scripture calls us to stand firm in God's power. Dads, if you're, uh, dads, if you're feeling discouraged right now, do me a favor and, and listen to this next word. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Only God is the perfect father. None of us are perfect. God gives us power, not our own power, his power to go about this work. And here's where it comes. Take a look at verses 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, may, when he starts with that word may, he's praying. The Apostle Paul is praying, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. How does Paul end his call to stand firm? He ends with a prayer. He ends with a prayer. Two quick things I'll say about this prayer, this prayer should remind us that we are dependent. All right, you and I are always tempted to do things in our own strength, to say, I can do this. I can be a great dad. I can be a great mom. I can be a great son or daughter or person or worker or whatever it is. Prayer is the opposite of that. It's the, it's, it's the inverse of pride. It's the inverse of self-reliance. It's us saying on our knees, hands up, nope. God, you are the one who has the power. You are the one who's in control. It's not me, and I surrender. That's what prayer does. Second thing we know that prayer is, is prayer is power. Prayer is not simply speaking words into the air. I remember uh, one time I was working a job, and uh, uh, I was running a, a floor sander, and I remember working next to another guy, and it was kind of boring and quiet. And uh, I remember after a long period of silence, this guy standing next to me just kind of says, Hey, what are you thinking about? My wrist. Uh, and I said, I said, actually, I was, I was praying. And he said, oh, oh, that's cool. And he said, yeah, sometimes it's good to just like say stuff and get it out there. And I'm like, I just remember thinking to myself, he's missing the fact that there's somebody on the other end. There's a, in prayer, there's a person on the other side hearing that prayer. If you are a believer in Jesus, then when you pray, your words are not simply floating up to the ceiling and lost in the air. They are heard by the God of the universe, and he always responds. He doesn't always respond the way we want him to, but he always hears and he always responds to our prayers. There's power in prayer. So dads, a very simple question. Are you praying for and with your kids? Seems like such a simple thing, doesn't it? Are we praying for and with our kids I love to read uh, biographies of, uh, of people that God has used in powerful ways, uh, especially missionary biographies. And I think of uh, John G. Patton. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides. And uh, he tells the story uh, later in his diary when he's out there suffering for the gospel, when people are trying to kill him and he's trying to share the good news. And he, he recalls his childhood growing up 
And he recalls his dad's prayer closet. They didn't have a whole lot of money. Dad didn't have a, a prayer desk or a prayer room or a, or a garden or whatever. He had a closet in the house, and it was dad's prayer closet. And through the thin walls, John Patton remembers that he could hear his dad pray all throughout the house. After every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, dad would go to the prayer closet, and he would spend some time in prayer, and all the kids could hear it all throughout the house. They could hear dad's prayers for them. And he remembers that years later as an adult, fighting to share the gospel, stay alive in the New Hebrides, he remembers dad's prayers for him. I think prayer shows our kids, even at a little age, this is what we do. We talk to the creator. We talk to the savior. He hears us. He listens. He's there. This is how we do life. We talk to him. We be with him. Dads, are we praying for our kids and with our kids? And it doesn't have to be some kind of fancy, spectacular prayer, right? Just some simple prayers with our kids, talking to their God and their Savior. I want to close us down with, uh, with a word from the book of Exodus. I, I stumbled across this in my devotions in the last couple of weeks, and this really struck me as I was thinking about what it means to stand firm. This story from the Old Testament comes uh, in Exodus 14. It's right after God rescues his people up out of Egypt. You remember the story? Right? God does 10 plagues in Egypt, these miraculous, powerful signs. Right? Frogs and, and locusts and, and eventually the firstborn uh, uh, passes away in each family. Powerful signs. And God takes one and a half million people and just gets them up and out of Egypt. Slaves set free and they march out triumphant. And just a few days later, they're standing on the beach next to the Red Sea, right? And you remember what they say? They see Pharaoh and his chariots coming. They say these words in Exodus 14 to Moses. Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Or short-term memory loss, right? It's amazing. You and I have it too, by the way. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Right? God has done all this amazing stuff for his people. And then the hard times come, the waves come, the pain comes. And they throw up their hands and they say, ah, we should have never listened to God. We should have never listened to Moses. We would have just been better off doing it the world's way. Listen to how Moses responds. These words really strike me. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses doesn't say, run real fast, jump real high, work real hard, try harder. Moses says, you stand. You face those waves and you just stand there and you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. You will see it. And you catch the last line of what he says there? For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. These guys on horses with swords and spears and chariots that look terrifying right now, they're gone. They're going to get swallowed by that water. You will never see them again. People of God, you stand firm and you watch God's salvation. Amen? Would you please stand with me and let's close in prayer. Brothers and sisters, glory is coming, and you and I are called to stand firm. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you 
because you are a perfect and wonderful father. We thank you for upholding us, your children. And we thank you for the good vision of glory that is coming, that we will spend all eternity with you, that we have new life in you, that we will see your salvation. And so God, I pray that you would help us to fear not, but to stand firm, to hold fast to your word in the midst of a world that is running the other direction. I pray that you would be glorified in us as we do so. I pray that you would hold us fast to the end. Thank you, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stay standing? I want to give you uh, this word. We've been using, we've been closing each sermon in this series with this benediction that comes right from 2 Thessalonians 3. Hear these words. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Go in peace. And dads, there's uh, popcorn on the way out for you. Please grab it. Happy Father's Day.